And just when you were beginning to forget about us, we are back with another exciting episode of Rick's Holiday Horror Movie Review Show. Rick's rated our Holiday Horror Movie Review Show where we review all things related to holiday horror. Holiday horror movies, holiday horror TV shows, holiday horror books, holiday horror comic books, holiday horror video games, absolutely everything and anything that has to do with holiday horror. Even that story your neighbor told you about that shit that happened a couple of doors down 20 years ago. We'll review that story here too. But around here. A very special type of horror mommy that we really like. Tell him, Billy. That's right. We like holiday horror mommy that deals with the Catholic Church. Tell him, Billy. I'm telling him. And, and a demonic possession, but at Christmas time. And maybe some creepy zombies. Tell him about the creepy Christmas zombies. Creepy Christmas zombies chomping on your brain. Can you say that? Uh, creepy Christmas zombies chomping on your brain. That's right. What else do we like? Well, we like we like all kinds of horror. Maybe some occult and wicked stuff, or creepy witches that only come out during Christmas. That's right, Billy. That's the kind of horror that we absolutely love around here. And welcome. If this is your first time to Rick's Holiday Horror Movie Review Show, Rick's rated R Holiday Horror Movie Review Show. We love having you here. So welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. We love that you have returned. Ret- return to me. Return to us. Welcome back. Tonight's episode. Billy, why don't you tell him about tonight's episode? All right, I'll tell him about tonight's episode. That's a special one. Wow. Oh, you like that one? Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Hi, thank you. Tonight's episode is a special one because we're going to talk about, well, it's the holiday season. And we're going to talk about a, a movie that takes place in the, you know, a place that's usually visited during the holidays. The movie is called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And this movie is an absolute winner. Oh, oh, look at that. If you're new, we have a very simple format around here. If you're not new, we've changed a couple of things, so you may not still be familiar with them. So let's get right into this one. This movie's called, again, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And our show format is as follows. I'm going to talk about what kind of film this is. Meaning, you know, what uh, genre, genre. What subgenre of horror does this movie fall into? And then I'll talk about the things I liked about this film, not just things I like in general, like, well, I like tacos. No, I'm not going to talk about that, or maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see how this episode goes. And then I'll also talk about things I don't like, like things about the movie, not just things in general, or, you know, like flour tortillas. You don't like flour tortillas? I mean, you know what really grinds we won't get into much. We won't get too much into that. But no, we're not going to talk about things I don't like in general. I'm going to talk about the things I don't like about the film. And then 
we'll talk about briefly about whether or not this film is scary. And this is one of the new segments, by the way. Followed up by Is This Film Entertaining? Another one of our new segments. And then I'll tell you, you, uh, let me tell you something. I'll tell you if I recommend this film, this film. I said film, didn't I? Ah, uh, yeah, I think, I think it said film. What is film? Well, we won't get into that now. Uh, I'll talk about whether or not I recommend this film. After that, we'll get into uh, the context that I think is important for the film. And then we'll give it a rating. All of this is going to happen to be spoiler free. After this point, it's going to get super spoiler or spoiled. Spoiler? I mean, you could say spoiler full. Okay. After this, it's going to get super spoiler full. And then we'll do a plot review, commentary, and script accurate dramatizations of every scene. Script accurate. Isn't that right, Billy? They are never script accurate. And uh, I mean, no, I don't think you've ever really done like a script accurate dramatization of a movie. Really? What about the back of the feature scenes? Oh, Lord, here we go. But by the way, there is a Michael J. Fox reference in this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Michael J. Fox. Oh, you got to come back with me, Marty. Oh, Lord, here we go. And then we'll do another rating. Why? Because what the point here is, is like, I'll give you a rating before I jump into the spoilerful stuff. So if you haven't seen it, if you plan on seeing it, or maybe you don't want to see it, but, uh, you know, I'll give you a rating so you can make up your mind about whether or not you want to watch it or not. And then I'll go into the spoilerful shit. All right. So let's jump right into this one. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. What kind of film is this? This is a comedy horror film. Really smart comedy horror film, but it's also a murder mystery. Okay, so there's a combination between, you know, who done it and oh, who done it. But in a comedic way, really funny, really well done, really well written, really good murder mystery movie, to be honest. Okay, The Things I Like, sponsored by. Billy, sponsored by. Oh, man, I, I'm going to say no one. That's right, Billy. Sponsored by no one. It's a funny movie. Uh, yeah, funny. What, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean funny? Funny how? Like, like I'm a clown or something? Huh? No, you know, you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're funny. The way they, uh, you tell a story. What do you mean? What the fuck do you mean? What kind of fucking funny do you mean? That way I tell a story. The fuck you tell me how fucking funny I am. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, I almost had him, boys. I almost had him. Anyway, it's a funny movie. It's smart. It's well written. It's well acted. What What? The, what was that? Oh, it's a scene from Goodfellas. You know, I've seen that movie. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Goodfellas. Oh, my producers. Hold on. My producers are telling me that I forgot to mention the old socials. Follow us. Join us. Be our friend. Talk to us. We want to hear from you. At Rick's Horror and the old Instagrams and TikToks and YouTubes and Facebooks. Just at Rick's Horror. What was I saying? Uh, you said it was smart. It is very smart. It's a well-written film. It's smart. It's funny. It's well-acted, too. Each one of these characters is very believable as the, you know, the characters that they play. Like, they actually studied these roles and, uh, and developed the character, which is, Wow! Actors actually studied 
and developed a character. The winter town setting was amazing. It's like a ski resort place during the winter holidays. And they don't specifically say that it's the winter holiday season, but it's very clear, given the music that's playing in the background. And this film is very much grounded in reality. We have a flawed, a real flawed character dealing with life as it comes. I really like that. His struggles in dealing with family, uh, his dad, his daughter, his daughter, his job, his responsibilities is just really well done. I mean, I loved it. And there's dramatic and creepy music in a really good way. Really well used music that accentuates the scene and really, really pulls you in. Fascinating. Really well done. Now the things I didn't like. For the vast majority of this film, there is little to no use of CGI, which is commendable in the year 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, now I'm not against the idea of CGI. I just think that sometimes it can be overused, Star Wars. And I just, it's just too distracting sometimes. And it gets distracting because sometimes it's just really easy to tell that something is CGI. Sometimes it's not. But point here is, is like the use of CGI, not against the particular use of CGI, but the way it was used in the story. And again, this is all spoiler free, so I'm not going to tell you why, but I'll get into it a little later. And next, is it scary? Is this horror film scary? I'm going to say no. Again, I said this is horror comedy. So it's not scary. I, I didn't think it was. Billy, did you think it was scary? Uh, I mean, it, I think it's got like interesting moments of tension that can be, that can be seen as scary, certainly. But uh, maybe not as an overall thing, but maybe moments of scariness. Well, that's where you and I disagree, Billy, because I didn't think this film was scary at all. Now, you might be thinking, what? What do you mean this film is not scary? Then how is it a horror film? Well, I said it was a horror comedy. Or comedy horror and murder mystery there's elements of horror but there's elements of comedy but the comedy really really supersedes the horror and that's not a bad thing frankly because as you're gonna find out next in the rating well not next there's one more thing is the wolf of snow hollow an entertaining movie after all we're supposed to be entertained right why are we watching the movie if we're not going to be entertained you know what really Grinchmank is? Spending two hours on a movie that sucks. Hey, this movie sucks! This movie does not suck. Is this entertaining? Absolutely. Do yourself, do yourself a favor, all right? And go watch this movie. It's called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. I heard things about this movie. I heard things. I think it's absolutely entertaining. Without a doubt. Without a shadow of the doubt. This movie's uh you must watch it. Mm. Watch this movie, I must. And now a rating. I just told you it's entertaining, so I'm not gonna give it a bad rating. I could actually, because I mentioned in our last episode that there are times when a bad movie can be entertaining. So is what's the rating, I guess, right? Yeah, you you already said it's entertaining. Okay, the rating. 
This movie gets a 9 out of 10. A 9 out of 10. I wanted to give this movie a perfect 10, but, you know, what really grinds my gears, that use of the CGI in the particular way that it's used really bothered me a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, so Roderick Usher from our episode on our Fall of House of Usher and a frequent contributor of the show, Mr. Usher. What do you want now? I feel like you call me every goddamn episode now. No, you weren't here in the last episode. Huh. You're goddamn right I wasn't. I was busy. Somebody's got to get the Ligodone Empire back on track. Now, what do you want? Well, I just, uh, I, I just wanted to say hello. That's, that's the only reason you've called me? Well, no, I was wondering if you could just uh, answer the question about whether or not this film is entertaining. You're goddamn right. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Usher. And uh, again, if you haven't listened to our episodes on the fall of the House of Usher, check this out now. You're goddamn right. Listen to those. You'll hear the story of the Ligodone Empire. Thank you, Mr. Usher. Okay, and that is it for the spoiler-free part of the show. We move on now to a completely spoiled, spoiler-full, Billy? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think either way is contextually correct, but I think you should probably just say spoiler-full. And funny you should mention context. I said earlier that this film was uh, very intelligent written. There are some really funny jokes in here. There's some interesting stuff. Now, I must admit, I had to pause some of the stuff. John, the main character in this film, or one of the main characters, mentions or makes a comment, and I'm not going to talk about that now, but mentions Abu Ghraib. I didn't know what that was, to be honest with you, but I researched it a little bit, and considering this is context now, this helps us understand the story a little bit better. So by the time you listen to it, or maybe you saw it, you didn't catch this reference, so you just... You just didn't care. Abu Ghraib is or was a prison used by Saddam Hussein's regime for the incarceration and, frankly, the execution of political descendants. And uh, after 2003's invasion of Iraq by the good old U.S. of A, uh, the U.S. military took control of the facility and used it as a detention center. Now, the shitty thing here is, well, many shitty things about this, but the fact that it was actually a place for abuse and torture by the U.S., huh? Fascinating. Hmm. So there were two that there were reports in 2004, uh, actually also accompanied by really graphic photographs showing the U.S. military personnel abusing and humiliating Iraqi prisoners at Abu Ghraib. So this shit is real. This shit is happening. That's why I told you this stuff was grounded in reality. And these abuses included physical and sexual abuse, torture, rape, sodomy, and murder. And the images showed detainees being stacked into human pyramids, hooded and connected to wires and subjected to really, really degrading treatment. So you don't see any of this in this movie, but it was a really interesting reference by the main character. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you, I mean, why, why do you think that, uh, that the character actually... I, I'm a little confused. Well, no, I don't think the character himself was at... Abu Dhab, Abu Ghraib. I think he just makes a reference to it. Uh, it's a joke. And uh, it's, a, it's a heavy joke, but it's a joke. It's comedy. Uh, anyway, and the other thing that was really important that I think most of us probably don't know right at the top of my head. There's another character that mentions the Sixth Amendment. Billy, what's the Sixth Amendment? 
I mean, I could tell you. I know you can tell me. So the Sixth Amendment provides protections and rights to individuals accused of crimes right here in the good old U.S. of A. And I think one of the most important provisions, there's many, of course, but the one that's most relevant to this movie is the right to assistance of counsel. So if you are accused of a crime and cannot afford an attorney, how many times have you heard that? One must be provided to you at the state's expense. That's right. The state will pay for your attorney if you're accused of a crime. You get a public defender. And that's it for context. Let's move on to the story. And again, this is a spoiler full story. How are we doing on time, Billy? Ah, we're good. So the story begins with, a, and again, I mentioned the music was fantastic. With an aerial shot of a snow-covered snow hollow somewhere in the state of Utah. And we meet who we think are going to be our main characters, PJ and Brianna, as they get to their Airbnb. And they're opening the door and they're jiggling with the keys and all that shit. Oh my god, PJ! This place is so awesome. I'm ready to get fucked up. Yeah. All right. Let me go check out the restroom. We were on the road for a really long time and I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta pee. Uh, you go do your thing, babe. All right, go ahead. I'll be right here. And they get to their Airbnb. Airbnb is a vacation home rental. It's all over the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, Airbnb is a, is a definitely multinational thing. And they drop their shit off and they get settled in. And before long, not before long, they go off to have dinner somewhere in, again, a diner here in Snow Hollow sleepy snow-covered resort somewhere in Utah and they get into a tiny verbal altercation with two local hunters and I thought this was really cool because PJ calls them out on their use of a, of a slur hey hey you mind me and my girl are trying to have dinner over here and you're over there using your fucking slurs alright come the fuck down Right, we're all fucking different around here, alright? Did your mother ever show you the fucking internet? That's right. Now why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Somebody made a slur about here uh, about homosexuals and PJ makes a reference to his brother being one and you know, it's nice to see him stand up for his brother. And then they return to their Airbnb where PJ is going to propose to his girlfriend. And they're at the rental house and you know, they're in the jacuzzi and they're having a good time. <laughs> oh my God, this water's so hot. No, babe, you're the one who's hot. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'll be right back. And Brianna gets out of the hot tub and while it's actually PJ who's taking a shower, some weird shit starts to happen. Suddenly, his water gets too hot in the shower. Oh, fuck! Hey! Hey, who's fucking with the water around here? Goddamn hot! Mr. Rusher? You're goddamn right. 
and we see a shot of Brianna looking at something, but she's just frozen. Not frozen because it's cold. Yeah, it's cold outside. But frozen because she's shocked by something. And suddenly PJ runs outside after hearing some commotion and he sees the mangled and just mangled and mangled corpse of his what was supposed to be soon to be bride. He was about to propose to her. And she's attacked. We don't know by what or by who, but the camera zooms in on a paw print in the snow. And then we move on to the next day where John Marshall, or really not the next day, but hours after the crime is committed, where John Marshall, who's a deputy sheriff, who's struggling with a little bit of an anger management issue, uh, and he goes to his AA meeting. Hi. Uh, my name is John, and uh, the first time I got drunk, I was a teenager. And uh, what, what can I tell you? Uh, it was Budweiser, and I absolutely loved it, and it was just great, and I had a great time, and I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and I love beer, and, uh, you know, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, you guys understand, right? We're all here because we love beer a little too much. Am I right, guys? Am I right? Can I get in? Am I right? No? Not humorous to you guys? You guys are struggling? Oh, I see. How long have I been sober? Well, a while. A while now. Uh, do I think about it? Sure. Sure, I think about the booze. How can I not? Don't you? Don't you think about the booze? I think about the booze all the time. It's sometimes the only thing I can think of, but, you know, I got a tough life. I, I know. I know we all got tough lives, and I'm not saying mine is any tougher than yours. I'm simply making a statement here that I also have a tough life and I'm not demeaning or saying that yours isn't as tough as mine or that mine is any tougher than yours, but the point here is, is I think about the booze. And he talks about the struggles with his father and, of course, his fellow officer, uh, Detective Julia Robson, and that sort of stuff. And then we move on to the next scene where I mistakenly thought we were going to next. But then we go to a scene where Sheriff Hadley and, as I mentioned, Detective Julia Robson have discovered the remains of Brianne and she's missing her genitalia along with other parts. Now, what's going on here? It looks like they cut out her private parts. Um, yeah, her, her vagina's missing. Huh. You know, in the old days, we would never use that word. Um, what's wrong with saying vagina? Well, that's not the way we used to do things in the old days. I'm from the old guard, Julia, you might understand. But anyway, her pussy's missing. Oh my goodness. What did, what did it just say? I said her private parts are missing. Suddenly John joins them. And a man driving a van complains about some haunted house shit or something, right? They're investigating the scene of a crime, but you know, all kinds of fucking crazy commotion is happening. And then they're trying to determine who did this or why did this. Or why they did it. And then we move on to another scene where Sheriff Hadley asked the press to please not sensationalize the murder. I already told you, this is a homicide, and around these parts, we, 
get one or two of these a year, but nothing to do with a werewolf or anything crazy like that. This is routine. Well, I shouldn't say routine, but it's pretty much routine. I just said we get a couple of these a year. I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's not a werewolf. There's no such thing, reporter. Are you kidding me? And the reporter's like, for some reason, I have a nine-year-old daughter. All right, well, I have a 30-something-year-old son. What's your point? Anyway, we move on to a scene where John and Sherry are talking about... This is a really funny scene, actually. They're sitting down on the table, and, you know, and by the way, I haven't mentioned this, but John uh, is the sheriff's son, and he's obviously a deputy. And they're sitting down having a heart, having a heart attack, having a conversation. Billy, what are they talking about? Uh, I mean, I think they're initially talking about how the sheriff is, uh, it's getting up there in age and it's probably time to retire. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and then eventually we get to a conversation that they're having and it's sheriff and he's, uh, well, he's talking to his son, John. Uh, Johnny boy, thanks uh, for joining us here finally. That uh, you have a good time at your Alcoholics Anonymous session. He didn't yeah, even mention that. Oh, he mentions that. What did you boys and girls talk about this time? Uh, uh, Dad, you don't have to be so insensitive, all right? A lot of us are dealing with a lot of different things, okay? And it, it's not cool to talk about people's drinking problems, Dad. All right, so please cool. Okay. Cool it. Ha! <laughs> I mean, tell you a thing or two about cooling it. You know, I've been having a heart attack since August. <laughs> I'll tell you about cooling it. And the sheriff is just amazed at how time flies, right? Yeah, I mean, he's talking about, ah, oh, you know, he's just an old guard. The old guard talking about how time flies and... He's just complaining about everything. He doesn't feel good. Yeah, he doesn't feel good. He's been having a heart attack since August. Uh, you know, he's got a, you know, he's got the press to deal with. He's got a lot of stuff going on, right? Yeah, I mean, like you can imagine a sheriff. I think in a small town like this is the person that everybody looks to for guidance, and uh, he certainly has a lot on his plate, right? Uh, and then he complains about his nine email. <laughs> Anyway, move on to another scene where Detective Robson interviews the guys, PJ and Brianna, which you mentioned earlier, were arguing about with dinner. Um, hey guys, I'm here to get a couple of statements from you, and I wanted to know if PJ or Brianna had anything to say to you or anything interesting happened. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this crime. Like my little bats is I'm a detective. Alright. So can I get some information from you guys? And um, well, the guy that they were mainly arguing with. Well, I mean, I don't reckon just, I'm just saying some shit about the gays. and nothing wrong with shit and shit about the gays, right? I mean, what's wrong with that? It's the 20, it's the 21st century. I can say whatever the fuck I want. I'm sure, but, you know, why? Well, why the hell not? I mean, why not? And he's not very useful or helpful. I just kind of move on. 
Well, thank you for your lack of cooperation. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, you're not wrong. You can totally say anything uh, about the gays, but you're kind of an asshole. And they move on. And now we're at a dinner where Gutierrez and Bo, I'm sorry, not a dinner, at a diner, Gutierrez with another officer and Bo discuss possible scenarios. Well, I think it was a UFO who came down. Came down in the middle of the night and mutilated her. Because, I mean, that's like a, like a classic a UFO thing. Am I right? And Gutierrez is like, Hey, wait, a UFO? Are you serious, homie? Nah, dog. Nah, I know UFO, homie. Motherfucking stab wounds like that. Homie, that's a werewolf! Motherfucker, ain't no UFO. UFOs are precise. There's no precision here. And suddenly John joins in and of course being the... John is a really level-headed guy. He's struggling with a lot of shit. He comes in and he's like questioning their stupid theories about a werewolf. And the UFOs. Uh, oh my, there was no theories about UFOs. They're definitely talking about a werewolf. Fine. Uh, you guys, <laughs> listen, I hate to break it to you guys, but we have a lot of police work to do. Okay? And none of this shit, none of this shit has to do with anything like werewolves. And none of this definitely has anything to do with UFOs. So I need you two idiots to settle down and start doing real police work. Okay? And you, Gutierrez, seriously? Seriously? Come on. You're better than that, dog. And they're about to leave and somebody says something really shitty about the cooking at the diner. Um, you know, you should really tell the cook. <laughs> uh, I actually think it was it was John. He was joining in on a little bit of fun. <laughs> you should really tell the cook that the, <laughs> the recipes are <laughs> actually pretty shitty. And you can hear the cook yell from the... Yeah, you know what else is really shitty? You're policing. You're still having caught the guy? Ha! Your dad would have caught him by now, that's for sure. A little bit of bantering going on. Anyway, we move on. And now it's the next night. And now we already know that there's a single thing. We move on to a scene where a woman who teaches snowboarding is talking to some kid. Oh, hey guys, welcome to my snowboarding class. I'm going to teach you guys how to snowboard today. Can I get a whoop whoop for snowboarding? And none of the kids respond because they don't get the reference. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's okay, that's okay. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do pizza and then french fries. Pizza means you stop. French fries means you go. Um, is it not for sleeping? Not snowboarding? Who's the teacher here, little Maria? Are you the teacher, little Maria? Or am I the teacher? If I say pizza, you fucking pizza. When I say french fries, you fucking french fry. All right? We're not fucking arguing here, all right? I'm the fucking teacher. Are you the fucking teacher, little Maria? Oh, you're gonna cry now? Huh, little Maria. <laughs> oh, well, mama. Now, what, why don't I tell you what, little Maria? I tell you what. Why don't you pizza your ass out of here 
and go cry to your mommy because I ain't got time for this shit. All right. All right. Everybody else, who's ready to French fry? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. That's exactly how it happened, Bill. And I guess they go off and they don't really show them pizzaing or French frying. Uh, but they apparently won a lot. And later that evening, when she's going home and then she's walking into her van, she commits a crime against the rules of horror. See, here's a noise as she's taking her shoes off, by the way, on an empty parking lot where the only car that's there is her boogie van. And she's taking her snow boots off for some reason outside with the door open like if you know there's a freaking werewolf on the loose the last thing you should be doing is being out there by yourself in the middle of the night she had it coming billy she had it coming well i mean i i, I don't i don't think they necessarily ha no she had it coming yeah all right she's not following the rules of horror So she's changing her boots casually and suddenly she hears a noise and violates the second rule of horror. You hear a creepy noise, you get the fuck out of here. But of course she doesn't do that, she investigates it. Oh my god, is that you, little Maria? I fucking told you to go to your mom. And of course it's not little Maria. It's the goddamn werewolf and it's chasing her. And then suddenly, she too gets mangled. Ah, lad. And in her struggle, she has. And why are you laughing? Well, it's, it's funny. The struggle with the werewolf of Snow Hollow, she loses her head, no pun intended, and also loses an arm. Now, this werewolf, who has a very selective taste for different body parts, has himself a, a hand and a head and an arm. Anyway, the next day, John complains to his wife or rather, no. His wife is complaining to him about how he's not supportive and demands that John somehow make some time to make it to the daughter's college drop-off. And he says here, sarcastically, Oh my goodness, do I have to sit here and listen to you for the rest of the day? I would rather be at Abu Ghraib. And because of our context, now you know exactly what he's talking about. But anyway, he agrees to be there at the college drop-off for his daughter. A very important moment. Not that they take anything else into consideration. He has to deal with his daughter, which of course is an important piece of his life or part of his life. But the guy is dealing with a lot of shit as it is already, isn't Billy? Yeah, I mean, his dad's health is ailing. He has to deal with murders. And you think that the, the wife could take a little more responsibility and say, Hey, you know, the old man is dealing with a lot of shit. I'll handle the college drop-off. Yeah, that's definitely now how that relationship is. It definitely, definitely make it seem as if, you know, she is really, really, really demanding on him. But anyway, at the site of the Moida, where the ski instructor was killed, I mean, the nice ski instructor turns out to be a snowboarding instructor. Actually, did they specify that? 
Uh, yeah, I think she was carrying a snowboard. Oh, so the whole pizza versus fence fry thing was not really applicable. Mar little Maria was right. See, I told you I was right. Sorry, Maria. So Wolfer, Wolf, not Wolfer, who's Wolfer? No, Wolf, fur, is discovered on the body of the pizza and french fry instructor. And John gets into a slight bit of an altercation with an officer who leaks to the press that the killer could be a wolf. He's still not. And we already talked about that guy earlier who thinks it's a wolf shit. But he's leaking shit to the press, which you're not supposed to be doing, right? No, I mean, you're supposed to keep things contained until an investigation is performed and like the actual killer is done. He's really not doing any police work. Like John wasn't wrong. He really not. So John is there and he's managing a crime scene and he's managing incompetent officers and he's managing the pressing of his daughter and the duty. And this dude is like really starting to struggle and he's just, you know, having a hard time. And he asked Chavez to start spreading false stories. Chavez, please, for God, for God's sakes, please, Chavez, stop spreading false stories, okay, about some strange mythical creatures, which, by the way, I'm sure you've never even read about. Have you actually read about werewolves? Have you? No, you haven't. Am I right? Am I wrong? No. You know what, Chavez? You're terrible at this. You know what you should have done? You should have stayed with computer science because you're a terrible police officer. All right, so I'm just going to get the fuck out of here. And I want you to continue doing all this shit and stop telling people these false stories about some goddamn werewolf that doesn't goddamn exist. It's a killer and we're going to fucking find him. All right, so I want you to do your goddamn job and sweep the crime scene. Of course, the stress is getting to be a little too much for John at this point. And he starts boozing it up. He finds uh, some drinks behind his cabinet, which they keep alluding to the camera shots that they use. But he's never actually seen drinking until this point. The next day at the morning police officer's meeting, Bo, who was spreading information to the press, gives John a nice little basket full of goodies and treats as a way of saying... Ah, uh, well, I, I don't reckon, I'm sorry. I don't reckon, I'm sorry, John. I, I want, it wasn't nothing personal saying all that werewolf stuff. I just didn't want to get sometimes in my head a little bit. It's just like funny stories I like to share. You know, I've been from South Texas and all. Hey, Billy, this guy's from South Texas like you. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, he really is a terrible police officer. Being from South Texas and all, we hear all kinds of crazy werewolf stories. Billy, a lot of werewolf stories in South Texas? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think he's making it up. My, uh, you, you listen, like you listen here, John. I, I, I don't reckon be real. Sorry about the whole werewolf thing. So here's a basket full of donuts, cause I know we all, we all love donuts around here. Right, right, folks. We all love donuts. But John is not having it. Uh, Bo, thanks, but no thanks. I filed the paperwork so you can make like a tree and get out of here because you're fired. But he fires Bo. I mean, he was a really incompetent police officer. He, he wanted nothing to do with investigating. I actually don't think he ever wanted to be a police officer. He probably did just sit around and, and do nothing all day. Anyway, we move on. Detective Robson shows everybody some evidence collected at the scene of the crime, but it's really not much. 
the killer, which by the way, she also doesn't buy into the whole hoopla of it being a werewolf. It's just where John is. They're like equals. They're right there next to each other. Uh, so I tried investigating those two guys that PJ and Brianna had an altercation with, but unfortunately one of them was a real asshole and I didn't really get any information out of him. But thankfully this is what was left at the scene of the crime. We do have some wolf fur, but you know, we're going to get some DNA tests to see if this shit is correct or not. But I guarantee you what we're looking for here is definitely not a werewolf. Not that I need to specify that to anybody. We're all rather intelligent human beings in this room and we got a lot of police work to do so please let's all just be professionals and they move on and then the next night john addresses this smart ass teenager in a really reasonable way but the kid's kind of an ass to him isn't she well i mean the kid's also going through a lot uh, you know, it's going to college and, and that sort of stuff. And, you know, everybody's got important things going on in their life. I agree, but it all, I think John is doing the best that he can to manage his daughter's transition from a child to a young adult, a college uh, student, and also dealing again with the health of his father and dealing with the town, uh, trying to prevent mass hysteria from occurring. And I just feel like his daughter should cut him a little break, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do think maybe his daughter is a little more uh, emotionally immature than she could be regarding the, her father's situation. Not that John is like the greatest thing in the world. He also lacks emotional maturity at times. But, uh, you know, uh, I think at this time he was trying to make an effort to have a, a reasonable conversation. Uh, Julia, listen, uh, I'm really sorry, uh, but I got a lot of shit going on. And uh, uh, I'm really sorry. And I just want to have a normal conversation with you. And I don't need you to be a smart-ass teenager. You know what, Dad? Why don't you just go and drink your beer? And I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. I'm going to get on the TikToks. Uh, yeah, it totally happened before you say anything. And then we move on. We move on to a scene the next day where John and Julia are driving and someone or something throws a beer bottle at their car. Ah, what the? Pull over! Shit, what was that? I'm trying to figure out what it is, but the camera pounds out everywhere and it's just snow covered trees. The forest, it's a small snow or covered town, a ski resort somewhere in Utah. The scene then turns quickly to a trailer where a man is doing drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. And the dude looks enormous. Right, dude's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six and muscular. A big dude. He's injecting himself with some shit. And he's got a nice pet husky. Actually, that's not Roof. 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 Beautiful fur on this boy. Or girl. We don't know. And we turn to another scene where PJ is dropping off some stuff. Well, actually, they visit PJ to drop off some of the stuff that was found at the crime scene, right? And I think initially, maybe, well, you can consider T you know, PJ, obviously, is the one who lost his girlfriend. She was the first victim. And uh, maybe he's a little, you know, there's a, oh, my producers are telling me something. 
Uh, my producers are telling me that it's time to make a quick reference to our social media. Hi, listeners. If you're out there listening, please visit us at Rick's Horror, at Instagram, at Rick's Horror, uh huh, at, at oh at TikTok, uh huh, and at Rick's Horror on Facebook, right, right. Oh, and Rick's Horror on YouTube. All right. Thank you, producers, for reminding me of the important... Oh, there's more? Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to tell you to, you know, to also, you know, reach out to us on the old social media and let us know what movie you'd like for us to review or just... Anything else? I think, I think the producers are happy with that. All right, thank you so much. Uh, where was I? Oh, right, so they visit PJ to drop off some stuff and he just sort of breaks down um you know a little bit because again his his girlfriend was mangled to death and well eventually soon to be his you know his uh oh my goodness fiance i mean yeah that's the word i was looking for fiance and uh you know his mom is holding him and he's just really having a really bad time but they drop him they drop out some of his stuff and this uh i need to mention this because it becomes important later Okay, we move on with another scene with a woman who turns out to be another resident of this snow hollow town. And her name is Liz Fairchild. And she's having a rather strange encounter with a man at a diner. Man walks in. A man walks into a diner where she's having breakfast or lunch or dinner with her daughter. That's a really cute girl. Oh, yeah, thanks. She's, uh, you know, she's a, she's a really cute girl you from around here uh yeah yeah i, I live uh over by the uh but uh yeah I, I live here i don't just tell you exactly where i live what kind of breakfast are you having um you know just just sausage and eggs i love sausage and eggs do you love sausage and eggs uh i mean yeah i'm i'm having i'm having them for breakfast uh are you having breakfast? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of got to go over here and uh, ask for uh, another slice of toast. You like toast? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be right back if you excuse me. Uh, just one second. And she gets up and, you know, clearly this guy's just asking some weird questions and she's convinced that this is the killer. And they don't show this character right now they don't show his face they don't show anything about him they just kind of his voice was off camera the entire time eventually she reports this to the police and the police takes the report as she's reporting it to the police and paranoia starts to seep into the town and the police starts to get tips from everywhere well, I, I don't think, I don't think this ain't no werewolf. This, this done be a big woman. And then there's another guy who, I don't know if he, what the hell this guy was being accused of, but he's like, I know my rights. I know my rights. I know the Sixth Amendment. Remember I mentioned the Sixth Amendment earlier? Yeah. You just mentioned that for this thing? Well, you know, context. And they continue interviewing other people who claim to know who the killer is, but uh, nobody really knows. The police doesn't even know yet. 
Anyway, unfortunately, we move on to another scene where uh, an ENT. <laughs> Not that there's anything funny with being an ENT. Congratulations to you, and thank you for your work as an ENT. But uh, it's funny in the scene, Chef Hadley is diagnosed with a heart murmur by an ENT, and then he says. Well, you're not even a real doctor, are you? Uh, uh, uh sir, I don't, I, I don't need to be a doctor to diagnose you with a heart murmur. I can, you know, the stethoscope tells me that you have a murmur and it's coming from your heart. So it, it's a heart murmur. It, it's really more of an observation than, uh, you know, than a medical diagnosis. If you really want to come down the, that road with me, I'll go fucking down that road with you if you'd like. It's like, goddamn heart murmur. Ha! You don't even have a real stethoscope. What is that? Is that a one of those I want to be a doctor when I grew up stethoscopes? <laughs> Johnny had one of those. Tell him, Johnny. Uh, Dad, no, I, I never had one of those. Uh, nah, you don't remember. I got you everything. Easy bake oven, stethoscope. Uh, Dad, you actually never actually bought me an easy bake oven. I really want it, but uh, thanks. Anyway, John urges him to seek medical treatment. Dad, it's, it's time. It's over. I'm sorry. You know, you've been at it 40 years. It, it's time. To, it's time. You got a goddamn heart murmur. And you just, really, you just really need to get the medical attention that you need. You've done enough. You've done more than you really need to do for a town. You're not a heel. Okay? Just please. Please. It's, it's just really driving me insane. And I, and I can't deal with any of this shit. And it's just too much, okay? I, I just need you to... Oh, so now you're the victim here, huh, Johnny? Ha! This is ageism! Ageism! Uh, Dad, you have, a, you have a heart murmur. Diagnosed by a so-called DMT with a child's stethoscope. Ha! Ha! Oh, Lord, Dad. Please, just listen to me. Listen, I'll listen to you when I die. Uh, Dad, that's exactly what I'm trying to prevent. Anyway, they continue arguing. The chef, the old chef doesn't want to retire, but, uh, you know, he's really, he's really having a, a really hard time now. But uh, anyway, they continue. The next night, we even move on to another scene. Well, actually, later that night... Liz! Oh, Lord. We just mentioned her. Liz Fairchild. Driving home, presumably from police station or something. Breaks rule number one of horror. My goodness, Liz. She sees roadkill. And what does she do, Billy? Oh, my goodness. She gets out to investigate the roadkill. Why do you get out to investigate the roadkill? Why? And of course, to nobody's surprise, she gets attacked by the werewolf creature. And she has a gun, actually. And she fires. Bah, 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 bah. But the werewolf somehow dodges everything. Eventually, she gets mauled to death. We don't really see it, but the sad thing is that not only does she take Liz, she also takes her three-year-old child. And then the next day, or at the, you know, we don't see the crime scene anymore, but we see John arriving at the medical examiner's office, and it's like, God damn it! Another one! Damn it! 
and the medical examiner and John are arguing, and the examiner is like, I don't deal with this shit. Your job is to find the substance. Now it's your job to tell me who did this. Now that's your job to do this shit. And then just arguing and arguing for no reason, and everybody's on edge and having a really difficult time. And then later, once I think the, the bodies had been retrieved, John and Gutierrez, Gutierrez, can you say Gutierrez, Billy? Oh, yeah, totally. Gutierrez. Wow. They argue about a missing patch of skin on the roadkill. Hey, homie, it could have been a handprint, no? Actually, no, that's John. It could have been a handprint, no? Or maybe a hunter without a license. Uh, a hunter without a license. You think, Gutierrez, you really think that's what it is? A hunter without a license. You think that's why they removed this? I mean, it could be, no, it could be. You can't say that it's not. I mean, it's a theory, you know? You got theories, I got theories, we all got theories, man. Gutierrez, you know what? You know what? I, I just, I'm sorry, but you are, I, I already mentioned this to you, but you are a terrible, a terrible police officer. You should have studied computer science. Hey, way, I'm a great police officer. I learned from you. And yeah, I could do computer science too. I build my fair share of computers in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need Windows XP installed in your machine? I can do Windows, Windows XP, Gutierrez. Windows XP? Are you kidding me? It's the year 2021, Gutierrez. Okay? Everybody has Windows 8, at least. 10, 11. XP? Yeah, I know it's a reliable system. Okay, but seriously, you know what? I take back my comment. You should not have studied computer science. Hey, wait, calm down, Holmes. All right? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding with you. It's a joke. Well, this is no fucking time to joke, Gutierrez. Hey, you know what, John? I really like the way you pronounce my name, man. Gutierrez. Can you say that again? Ah, Gutierrez, can you, can you just stop right now? This is no time for flattery. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the stuff with the handprint and the hunter without license happened, but all that other stuff about the windows next day didn't. Oh, Billy, you must have fallen asleep. Anyway, we move on to another scene where we see that that giant hulking dude in the trailer I mentioned earlier is now burning the corpse of a woman. And the camera zooms in, and he also has a wolf tattoo on his right arm. Fascinating, right? Ah, man, I think at this point it's a little too easy, right? It, it can't be him. It's just a use of misdirection. Well played, Billy. So we move on. John is growing increasingly agitated and angry, and he combs through town's records, and... He tries to determine to see whether there's a connection between the victims and he's looking up werewolf lore. He's, is he falling prey to the old werewolf? I, I think that, you know, as a good police officer, he's exploring all avenues, even if it goes against his particular set of beliefs or rules about, uh, you know, 
criminality and things of that nature. I just think to me, it represents him being very open to any ideas, uh, as stupid as some may seem, which they actually think a really good, really good police officer should do that. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for, for John's police work. Anyway, he's studying this stuff in the library and he's combing through records and he's reading a book called Taxidermy by Paul Carnery. And there's images of him, taxidermy, and, uh, and suddenly he falls asleep. <laughs> ah, and he's woken up by the librarian. Ah! Uh, librarian tells him some other member of uh, the team has been calling him. Hey, uh, you know that uh, walkie-talkie of yours has just been going off, been going off the ringer. And John tells the librarian, <laughs> you know what, dude? You should really not do that. I mean, some other team of, uh, you know, you're just really calling for it. Some other member of my team would totally fucking shot you. Okay? We totally could be totally fucking dead right now. I could be, sh I could be coming here to investigate, uh, you know, something. Like you being shot. So please, careful. Don't startle us like that. Okay? Some other member would have just fucking shot you. No questions asked. Okay, so more of investigation, right? So now we see John and Detective. Oh, Lordy, what was her name? What's the detective's name, Billy? That mean Detective Julia Robson? Jesus, you have like photographic memory. Um, that's not photographic memory. I, I just, they're actually stored. Uh, it's variables and a stack. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Got it. Anyway, while investigating, Detective Robson and John find out that the tall man who she met at the diner called Liz's workplace asking for her. And he asked Liz for toner for his printer. And somehow... The phone that was used to call Liz has been wiped clean in another scene, but John urges Chavez again. God damn it, Chavez, can you please just do your job? Do your fucking job. You're a police officer who works for the CSI department. Do your CSI. Do it. And my producers are once again letting you know that please join us for another exciting episode Tomorrow, uh-huh, and more social media stuff again. We already did it. Okay, I guess it's time for a social media break. Uh, please look us up on the old Instagram and the TikTok and uh, Facebooks and the YouTubes. That it? Oh, right, and leave us a message and tell us how we're doing and... Oh, and they give us a movie recommendation or story or something. Or more animated? Sure. Oh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, let us know at the old Instagrams and uh, other socials uh, about how we're doing. And give us a movie recommendation if you have one. Is that it? that good enough? I guess they said it's good enough, but uh, they're going to keep telling me things unless I don't keep it up. Anyway. The phone that was used to call Liz was wiped clean, and Chavez 
is urged by John to continue doing his police work. And now a curfew is imposed. You can see shit is really starting to happen, right? Yeah, very, very shit's really starting to happen, man. It's a small town. It's the winter. It's really creepy. And finally, finally, after another cardiac event, finally, Sheriff Hadley agrees to retire and seek treatment. Finally. Oh, my goodness. And that night, Jenna, John's daughter, sneaks away to see her boyfriend. And while they're... I'm going to touch you. They're attacked in their SUV by the Wolfman. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I should have, I should have listened to my dad and stayed home. And Jenna's wounded. And John answers the neighbor's 911 call and rushes to the scene of the crime. And of course, he doesn't know that his daughter is there. And he has his shotgun and just blasting away. And fortunately for them, the creature escapes. And John realizes that Jenna is there. And he starts yelling at Jenna. And what? Hey, what? I told you to stay there. What are you doing here? Huh? Risking your life. I cannot be dealing with you shit right now. Okay? I got a crime scene to deal with. I got a killer on the loose. And you're here now. And you you want me to care about what you're doing? You are supposed to be at home where I told you to be. You're supposed to be studying your gymnastics for your scholarship. Okay? I do not need to be dealing with some lousy teenager here not following the rules. And the kid gets sad and angry because she didn't get asked how she's doing. Oh, I'm sorry, but I have to side with John here. Well, I mean, that kid has a point, maybe. She doesn't need to be taken to the hospital. I agree. He should have asked whether or not she's okay. But beyond that, she really did put herself in danger by not following the rules. You get no symphony. <laughs> symphony. You get no sympathy from us. It's just revealed as well, not too uh, long after this, that uh, a sheriff was killed, Gutierrez. And his body was stuffed in a trash can. So now this, uh, this werewolf, quote unquote, has killed three people, four people. Uh, you have Brianna, you have the ski instructor, you have Liz, and now uh, you have uh, Gutierrez. Of course, John's pissed now. And he breaks into Jenna's boyfriend's house and starts attacking him. You little son of a bitch. In the and he's punching him. <laughs> and his mom is trying to defend his son. Hey, what? What are you doing here? What the fuck are you? And she's punching John and suddenly starts kicking him. And pepper sprays her. And he just goes downstairs, running downstairs, and she realizes, as soon as he takes the mask off, he realizes, oh, that it's the sheriff, and she's like, what did you do? What did you do? What did, why is he attacking you? What did you do to that poor girl? It's really funny scene, because uh, the mother initially is just, you know, almost stomping John to death, and as soon as she realizes it's the sheriff, he immediately starts attacking her son. Hilarious. John, after this encounter, goes to the hospital and visits his daughter, uh, but unfortunately, we found out that, uh, you know, Sheriff Hadley has passed away from heart complications. And of course, now he's grieving. And this movie is really emotional in, in, a, in a good way. You know, it's like, again, I've, I mentioned this several times. Like, I really, I, the, the characters really identify all the struggles that he's going through. And now his father has died. And you know, he's dealing with 
Of course he's worried about his daughter. Of course he's worried about his daughter. But of course he's also worried about not listening or her not listening and putting herself in danger. On top of that, he's dealing with all this shit with this werewolf that people are saying it's a werewolf. But he is, you know, he's a rational dude. He knows that this isn't a werewolf, but he can't find the actual killer. Now he's dealing with the daughter. He's dealing with the wife. He's dealing with the town. He's dealing with everything. And he just gets drunk now and shows up drunk to the Alcoholics Anonymous thing. And, uh, you know, it's just really, it's really difficult for him at this point. And I said earlier, this movie does a really good job at really playing, uh, you know, it's, it's horror comedy. And maybe I didn't mention this, but it's a horror comedy, but it's really, really well grounded in reality. And the things that this character is really going with are really identifiable. And you really feel for him. Um, after that, there's the real heartfelt swing between John and his daughter. And he's, you know, he gets drunk. And is mourning his father's death. And, uh, you know, his daughter is also obviously mourning the loss of his grandfather. But also now she's dealing with the complications of what's happened to the family and what's going on with her dad. And she's dealing with her own emotions about all of this stuff. And it's just a really well done, really well done scene. On top of this moving, moving really funny and obviously horror, really dramatic in a good way. Oh, wow. You don't really like drama. I really don't, but, you know, this guy, there's something about this character, you know, I just want him to be successful and, and really pull through. Uh, okay, but alas, we must move on. Okay, so now there's, uh, there's the scene of uh, that man, in the, that werewolf, that wolverine in the camper. And he shot himself up with something. And we see him killing over as the door opens to his camper and we see him potentially dead and it turns out that yeah he died of a heroin overdose and most signs pointed to him being the killer because he has a husky which you know could account for the fur that's been found on the victims he was a hulking 6566 monstrosity of a man really muscular which could also account for him wearing a, a suit you know werewolf suit or whatnot so they conclude that hey he's dead case closed of course, they found the body of uh, the woman in his backyard, which also doesn't help his case. But at this point, he's dead of a heroin overdose. So I think it's just kind of an easy, convenient thing to do, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're doing the best they can with the, you know, with the information that is available to them. But uh, he could, he is, in fact, a, a reasonable suspect. He just was never interviewed. And like you just said, they found a woman in the backyard. So, yeah. All signs point to yes. Anyway, we go back to another scene where the coroner once again insults John's intelligence and tells him, my three-year-old daughter could have solved this in three hours. And he's threatened to tell the press about his difficulties, uh, about John's difficulties finding the murderer. And John knows that this is the little son of a bitch that threw that bottle at him earlier. And he just fires him. Well, I'll tell you what, your daughter can deduce and be a detective as much as she wants. She's just not going to do it in this county because you're fucking fired. And now with the killer presumably dead or at the very least, you know, no longer a threat, John goes out to distribute evidence, uh, you know, that the case is closed and he's taking things back to the original owners. And suddenly PJ, you know, uh, Brianna's soon-to-be fiancé, contacts uh, Sheriff Ross, I mean, Detective Robson, about there being a seam ripper 
in the belongings that they returned to him earlier that doesn't belong to him. And Robson tells John this stuff. Actually, no, Robson doesn't tell him this. Robson realizes what this, I mean, she's a great detective, right? What this, you know, scene ripper is. And immediately realizes that the ripper is for taxidermy and realizes that Paul Kernern, that the town's taxidermist, must be investigated. Now, if you recall, PJ was reading a book. I'm sorry, not PJ. John was reading a book by this guy in the library. And as he's distributing evidence, some of the evidence that's collected was actually um, coroner's, the taxidermist. And we see a scene where now John, again, is returning stuff to all the people that they collected evidence with from. I don't know why they collected stuff from him. Do you know? Uh, I don't think I do, but he's definitely distributing evidence back to everybody. He went to uh, distribute stuff back to those guys that PJ got into an argument with, and now he's going to see... Uh, the taxidermist. And he knocks on Paul Kernery's door. Paul, hey, uh, just bring back some of your stuff. And uh, you just need your signature. And Paul is that creepy guy. He's, he's really weird scene. He's barely opening the door. He's like hunched over, right? Yeah, it was like he has some kind of back problem or something. I, I don't know, but he opens the door in a really weird way. Oh, hey. <laughs> Sheriff John, <laughs> I'm sorry about what happened to your father. <laughs> no mean to laugh. Please come in, take a seat. Uh, John's like, mm, I, I just need a signature. But he uh, last goes in. And uh, he sits in the kitchen, and he's having a talk with Paul. <laughs> oh, John, tell me. <laughs> you can talk about the crime now that the, uh, now that the case is closed, right? <laughs> can I fill you up with some alcohol? I know, you're back to drinking, Jeff. <laughs> and John's like, yeah, fuck it, sure. And then, uh, you know, just stopping by to drop off some of the stuff. Suddenly, Paul, the taxidermist, asks John. Hey, Johnny. Johnny boy. How long have we known each other? <laughs> anyway, how's your daughter? <laughs> and John sits there quietly. Processing, detectiving. Ah, uh, that's not a verb. Detectiving is definitely a verb. And suddenly, something comes to mind. And he walks out and says that, you know, he's on the clock. Uh, listen, um, Paul, I appreciate the uh, booze, but uh, I'm on the clock. Gotta go. See ya. And uh, walks out. And John is standing outside of the door. Thinking, how does Paul know about what happened to my daughter unless Paul was at the scene of the crime? And he knocks on the door once again. <laughs> John, back so soon. More booze. <laughs> Do you want to come in? 
Uh, <laughs> listen, Paul. Uh, listen, uh, you know, something funny happened the other day. You asked me a really funny question, and I was just like, um, you know what? Could you, could you stand up to your full height? My full height? <laughs> you mean like this? And he stands up, and it turns out to be that this son of a bitch is like seven feet tall or something. He's enormous. And now he realizes that he's been caught and slams the door. And John immediately thinks twice about slamming the door and take a steps back and calls for backup. This is Jam. I need some backup. The two, three, two, kind of Rapido. Rapido. And he thinks about it for a second, but he knows that Paul is going to escape. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to knock this door down and slams the door open with his body. And he stands inside and suddenly he realizes that the head of the missing woman, the ski instructor, is there. And all kinds of creepy other shit for taxidermy is there. And he's taking a peek around and suddenly from out of nowhere, Paul stops John in the stomach and lifts him off the ground. But thankfully, the response time of the police in this time is fast. He hears sirens and suddenly drops John and changes into his homemade wolf costume and flees into the woods. And John, the goddamn hero of a story, gets up with a busted gut and everything and starts chasing him. And a quick fight ensues in the forest where it looks like Paul is going to become the victorious party. But suddenly, out of nowhere, Detective Hobson bah, shoots this son of a bitch, hitting him in the gut, and he collapses. And John gets up and pulls out his old six-shooter and tells Paul... I'll see you in hell, you son of a bitch. Ba 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 and just shoots Robson. I'm sorry, shoot Paul six or seven times uh, right in the head. And that's it. Okay, it's closed. So the real killer wasn't that wolf person. It wasn't an actual werewolf. It was actually Paul Robson, the doxidermist. Sometime later, we see a scene of Robson and John dropping off Jenna at college, and uh, and that's kind of it for the movie at that point. But it turns out that Robson becomes sheriff, and John leaves Jenna with some condoms and his gun while she's off to college uh, for dancing and stuff like that. But I mentioned earlier that the reason this movie doesn't get a 10 was because of the use of the CGI and I didn't mention where, but the wolf scenes when he's being chased are very CGI looking, which is a little bit of a misdirection. I didn't really like that. I thought that this guy in this costume, when I saw him, they should have used him in a costume performing, you know, like they would have looked a little more realistic is the problem. He didn't move like I expect a werewolf to move. Or rather, I, he looked, the CGI looked too werewolfish. I don't like that. If it was going to be a killer, a person, they should have made the movements a little more human-like. Then it would have been a little better in terms of the use of CGI, but they use it as misdirection, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely wanted you to believe, or they, you know, they wanted to misdirect you from thinking that it was going to be a person, even though John kept insisting that it was going to be a person. All signs point to a person. Yeah, so I didn't like that. Um, the, you know, I, I, I wish they'd use the CGI in a more 
human or the, the behaviors of the wolf cgi werewolf cgi would have been more human like i would have given this movie a 10 frankly or just use uh you know practical effects use uh use the actor in that seven foot tall uh werewolf suit anyway i think my producers are telling me something yeah my producers are telling me that it is rhyme time to wrap this one up and we really appreciate you stopping by for another exciting episode Right here in Rick's Holiday Horror Movie Review Show. Rick's Rated R Holiday Horror Movie Review Show. And uh, follow us. uh, Be our friend at uh, the old socials on Instagram, on the TikTok, on the Facebook, on MySpace, and on the old YouTube. And thank you for stopping by. Until next time. See you then.